Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hear these words from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus told this parable. A man owned a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He said to his gardener, look, I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree for the past three years and I've never found any. Cut it down. Why should it continue depleting the soil's nutrients? The gardener responded, Lord, give it one more year, and I will dig around it and give it fertilizer. Maybe it will produce fruit next year. If not, then you can cut it down. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One of my uh, new favorite TV shows is a show called Ted Lasso. Raise your hand if you've watched it. Okay, so I'm just going to warn you, if you are maybe um, sensitive to adult language and maybe British humor is not for you, then maybe don't check out this show. But if, if you are, you know, it's a good one. Um, but, uh, Ted Lasso, the premise of this show is that Ted, he, uh, has been a college American football coach and he gets hired to go coach an English premier football league. So he moves to London and goes to coach Richmond. Now he doesn't know anything about coaching football or as we call it here in the United States, soccer. He's never coached soccer before, but he's going to go and he's going to coach. And so uh, much to the chagrin of the players for Richmond and the British press and really the general public at large, they just think it's a joke. They think his hiring is a mistake, he's a joke, and uh, he just needs to leave. And, uh, you know, they don't get Ted, they don't get his like American folksy humor It's just, it's lost on them. And so Ted is uh, having a conversation with uh, British reporter Trent Krim from The Independent. And Ted pretty casually says to Trent, well, Trent, I've never really concerned myself too much with wins and losses. Now, he's talking to a reporter. And you can imagine the reporter is like, that is going to make headline news. For a premier professional football coach to say they don't care about wins and losses, like, this guy's out of his mind. Like, this guy needs to go. And later on, Ted, in a conversation with Trent, clarifies. He says, for me, success is not about the wins and losses. It's about helping these young fellas be the best versions of themselves on and off the field. And it ain't always easy, Trent but neither is growing up without someone believing in you. For Ted, his work as a coach 
empowers his players both on and off the pitch. He strives to help coach his players to be the best people that they can be. So throughout this month, we have been uh, talking through a sermon series and the idea of work as worship. We have been reminded that we are created to work, created uh, to produce, to cultivate, to steward, and to care. We're created to be artists, to bring beauty into this world in whatever ways that you and I can do that. We're also called to be fruitful. Our work is designed to produce evidence or result of our labor. We can produce bad fruit, right? Some bad evidence of our work and labor. But hopefully we're producing good fruit. And our good fruit kind of outweighs and overcomes any bad fruit that we might inadvertently produce. And friends, let's just get this out of the way at the beginning. Sometimes we can work as hard as we can. We can give it our all. We can give it more than 100%. Give it more than the college effort, the college try. And we still don't end up with good results, do we? We can study hard for a math test and still fail. Healthcare workers can work as hard as they can to try to save every single person that comes into the hospital, and people still die. People can work for 30 years for a company and then get laid off. Life can go sideways. Things in life can happen to us that can produce some bad fruit in our lives. And sometimes we work, and even though we give it our best effort, sometimes we do cause harm, either intentionally or unintentionally. We are imperfect beings, and our work is imperfect too. And yet, given all that, God still calls us to bear good fruit to take our fruit and to add it so that it contributes to God's good creation. Our good fruit is to bless God and to bless other people and to bless the world. That's the purpose of our fruit, to be a blessing for others. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So what is good fruit, you might ask? Good fruit is that which produces more love, more joy, more peace in this world. Good fruit involves qualities like patience, kindness, and goodness. If we look around us, if we look at our actions, if we look at our results, if we look at the people around us and we see more faithfulness, we see more gentleness and more self-control, then I think we're looking at some pretty good fruit. And all of that is adding to God's good creation. So my question for us this morning, the first question is this, is your work producing good fruit? Is it producing the fruit, like what's mentioned in the fruit of the Spirit? I'll let you wrestle with that. God calls us to be fruitful. 
And friends, this is not a one-time request. Oh, I produced fruit one time and now I'm done. Check that off the list, I can move on. No, God calls us to produce good fruit our whole lives long. And as we produce good fruit, hopefully it then kind of begets more good fruit. And that good fruit creates more good fruit. And we kind of see this like avalanche of good fruit spreading throughout our lives and throughout our relationships and throughout the world. And I'm sorry to say, there's no retiring from fruitfulness. You don't get to retire from it. As long as we have breath in our bodies, there's opportunity and obligation to produce good fruit. In the passage we heard from Luke 13, Jesus told a parable about a fig tree. And so just to refresh your mind, so this owner comes down to his vineyard and he looks around and he sees his fig tree and he's like, ah, still no figs. And he calls over his gardener and he's like, you know, I've been coming down here. This is now the third year I've been coming down to this vineyard to look for some tasty figs on this tree and there's not any. And so I'm fed up, and I'm tired, and I just want you to cut it down. And the gardener says, no, wait, wait. Let's give it one more year. Let me uh, work on it. Let me tend to it. Let me put some fertilizer around it. And then we'll see where we are next year. If it doesn't produce any fruit, then you can cut it down next year. Now, if you're listening to Pastor Vance when he was reading that passage from John 15, you heard that sometimes there is a process of pruning, of uh, removing that which is dead, right? Of trimming back so that new life can come. And so that, that is a biblical concept, that sometimes we do have to eliminate or get rid of that which is dead and that which isn't producing good life or good fruit in our lives. But that's a sermon for another day. So you guys are just going to have to come back. We just, we'd be here until lunchtime if we went through all of these things. So I'm going to just say that the owner of the vineyard, he's not necessarily wrong for wanting to get rid of that fig tree. But friends, do you know how long it takes a fig tree to produce fruit? Any gardeners out there? It takes three to five years. And so I kind of wonder... Did the owner know that it takes at least three years for a fig tree to produce fruit? If he's been coming down, and this is just the third year that he's looking for fruit on his tree, well, no wonder he hasn't found any figs. They weren't ready yet. The tree was still growing. The tree, you know, wasn't able to produce fruit yet. The, the owner kind of had unreasonable expectations of this fig tree, expecting it to produce fruit and figs before it was ready. So sometimes, producing fruit involves a little bit of patience. A little bit of being realistic and real with what we expect and when. The gardener basically tells the owner, hey, wait one more year. Wait and see. And so maybe for the owner, it's a little bit passive. It's a little bit like, okay, I guess I'll just like put it on my calendar and come back a year from now. But that wait and see period is not passive for the gardener. What does the gardener do? The gardener says, I'm going to take it upon myself to dig around this tree and I'm going to fertilize it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to see if I can cultivate this tree and pour some 
time and energy and love and care and see if in a year from now we're producing some figs from this tree. Perhaps the tree hasn't received the care that it needs to produce figs. Perhaps the gardener kind of neglected it, or maybe somebody else neglected it. And the gardener says, you know, I'm going to take it upon myself to do this work. And it's talked about in the passage that the gardener would put fertilizer around the tree. Well, they didn't have bags of fertilizer that you and I can buy at our local lawn and garden store. What kind of fertilizer was he talking about? Manure, right? That which is stinky, that which is waste, that seems to be dead and useless. The gardener can take that and kind of put that around the tree and see if new life, fruit, good results can come from that. From that which is dead can come new life. Does that sound familiar? That, my friends, is the hope and the promise of resurrection. That's what Jesus Christ does with us. God takes that which is broken and messed up and seemingly useless and dead and breathes new life into us, cultivates new life within us, raises us to new life. Producing good fruit is often stinky, messy business. We pour our blood, sweat, and tears into our work often before we see any fruit. And yet, we labor in hope. It is the work of resurrection and new creation. We're invited to co-labor with God in bringing about God's new heaven and earth. Finally, I just want to ask you, in the parable of the, the fig tree, did the owner say, I want to get 20 figs from this tree? Did he say that? No. He was just talking about figs in general. He didn't have a quota. He didn't have a number he was expecting. At this point in time, the owner, he's not really concerned about how many figs the tree produces. He just wants to see some evidence of fruit. Friends, faithfulness, producing fruit, is not always about the quantity of your fruit, your accomplishments, or the size of your deeds. Catholic social justice activist Dorothy Day reminds us, people say, what is the sense of our small effort? They cannot see that we must lay one brick at a time, take one step at a time. A pebble cast into a pond causes ripples that spread in all directions. Each one of our thoughts, words, and deeds is like that. No one has a right to sit down and feel hopeless. There is too much work to do. One good deed, one good fruit at a time. That's all we need to do. As we are faithful in doing the work that is ours to do, we can trust God and hope in God that whatever fruit we produce, God will use as part of God's good creation. Friends, faithfulness is often, faithfulness and fruitfulness are often different than what we expect. People in rooting for a British or English premier football league, they want to win. 
They want their team to win. They expect more wins than losses or draws. In the show Ted Lasso, uh, the fans and the, the team members themselves, uh, they want to win and they expect their coach to care about winning just as much as they do. And while Ted enjoys winning football games, that's not the only fruit that matters to him. The health and the personal growth of the players is fruit for Ted, whether or not anybody else expects that or looks for it or wants it. Pastor, professor, and scholar Eugene Peterson said, when it comes to doing something about what is wrong in the world, Jesus is best known for his fondness for the tiny, the invisible, the quiet, the slow, yeast, salt, seeds, and manure. This apparently dead and despised waste is teeming with numerous microorganisms and the things needed for life, enzymes, minerals, nutrients, energy sources. It's all the stuff of resurrection. Our God is a God who works in mysterious and unexpected ways through unlikely people and improbable situations. And God's ways are different than our ways. God often defies our expectations. What seems dead and useless to us, what seems too small to be of any good, with God can produce good fruit. Sometimes we can see and touch this fruit. We can see evidence of it in our lives and our work. Often maybe... um, More people in church on a Sunday morning, that feels like good fruit for a pastor. If you're working, maybe more money in your checking account, right? That feels good. That feels like, oh, I'm seeing some results of my effort. But fruitfulness is often found in relationships. John 15 is a beautiful chapter of scripture that describes Jesus as the vine and people, you and I, as the branches. Branches cannot live on their own. Branches live by being connected to and staying in relationship with the vine. John 15 teaches us that we produce fruit when we stay connected to Jesus and allow God, the gardener, to tend us. John 15, verses 9 through 17, um, expands upon this and says that um, fruitfulness often also includes our relationships with other people. In John 15, verse 12, we hear these words, this is my commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. We produce fruit when we love each other through our words and our actions, through our rest and through our labors. We produce fruit when we encourage and build each other up. We produce fruit when we are quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. We produce fruit when we live out the fruit of the Spirit. Historian and social philosopher Eugene Rosenstock Husey remarked, the greatest temptation of our time is impatience in its full original meaning, refusal to wait, undergo, suffer. We seem unwilling to pay the price of living with our fellows in creative and profound relationships. I don't know about you, but living in relationships with other people is not always easy. Relating with people may be the hardest work that we do. Perhaps that is why Jesus shared with his disciples 
in John 15, verse 13. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. Relationships involve sacrifice. We give up our time, our conveniences, our preferences out of love for others, out of love for friends and family members. And as an aside, I think that's partly some of the heartbreak that we see in this struggle with COVID, right? We're wrestling with, are we willing to sacrifice out of love and care for other people? That's hard. It's hard to be the one to sacrifice when we see other people not making the same sacrifices we are. And thankfully, we do not do this work of relationships alone. God is with us. God loves us. God continues to impart wisdom to us. We heard in John 15, verses 4 through 5, this assurance. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. Fruitfulness is found by remaining in God, abiding in God. And finally, as we look around, we look around at our fruit, or the hope for fruit. Sometimes it's helpful to remember that sometimes the fruit is not always for us, but it's for those who are going to come along after us. We hope that the fruit that we leave behind us, the fruit that others will enjoy, that it will be good fruit. We want to leave a better world for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We want to leave less of a mess for other people to clean up, right? Yeah. I think fruitfulness is connected to this idea of legacy. As Alexander Hamilton sings, and the world was wide enough, in the musical Hamilton, he says, legacy, what is a legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden you never get to see. I wrote some notes at the beginning of a song, someone will sing for me. Our fruitfulness is a gift that we leave for others. I'm reminded of the great cathedrals in Europe. These cathedrals were not built in a day or a year or even a decade. Sometimes it took decades and over a hundred years and hundreds of laborers to build one cathedral. And so you have stonemasons doing their work, and you have carpenters over here doing their work. And finally, at some point, someone calls in the stained glass artists to come in and do their work at the very end. And so these laborers, they work, and they do what is theirs to do. And sometimes when they died or when they retired or whatever happened, like they realized like the cathedral still wasn't done. But they did their part, and they hoped and they trusted that one day, in the future, the cathedral would be finished and there would be people sitting inside that cathedral worshiping God. 
the Basilica de la Sagrada Familia is one such cathedral in Barcelona. Construction began in 1882, and it is still not yet finished. Can you believe that? Laborers are still working to complete a vision from the 1800s. For reference, 1882 was the year that we built the first church building on this property in downtown Orlando. So for over 139 years, we've been living out a vision that people back in the 1800s had for Methodists here in Orlando. And I don't think that vision is over yet, do you? I don't think so. Because when you think about it, all churches are still under construction. We are laborers working within our churches and in our communities to do what is ours to do. We trust that the laborers who will come along behind us will pick up our work and will do what is their work to do, to help carry that vision, to help bring that vision into fruition. And we trust and we hope that one day people will be connecting to Jesus the vine, worshiping as members of the body of Christ and enjoying the good fruits of our labors today. We hope that people in the future will be doing that. May it be so. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give thanks that you give us life, you give us breath, and you invite us into relationship with you. And you invite us to co-labor with you in this world. So God, we pray for your spirit to empower us to the work that you have called each one of us to do. We pray that you will bless our work. We pray that it will produce good fruit for you and for your kingdom. And God, where our work feels small or insignificant, where it feels unfinished, God, we offer it to you. Trusting and hoping that you will bring new life from it. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.